Hi, I'm Peggy. And I'm Dave. And this is Amped. Hey, Dave, how are you? I'm really good. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. We are at Halloween Eve when we're recording this. Big night. It is. Well, tomorrow is the big, big night. No, well, it's, it's you know, at my house back in the old days, this was the night where you really, you wore the four other costumes you'd convinced your parents to buy that you had decided not to wear on Christmas Day. Uh, sorry, uh, Halloween Day. You could wear them on Christmas Day and spark a whole new tradition. That would be fun. Radically different. <laughs> Radically different. No, but did your kids do that? My kids always, they like, they knew what they wanted to be. Two months before Halloween, we'd go out and buy them the the costumes and they'd get very excited and they'd wear them incessantly. And then like a week before Halloween, they're like, nope, not doing this anymore. Yeah, Need no. a new costume. The, um, our costumes tend to be themed and family driven. So like everybody in the family has a a role in in the costume. Oh, that's involved. It is. It is. So, you know, with Robbie, who's the 12-year-old, when he was – and he always got to pick what it was. And then I always picked, like, one year he wanted to go as Billy the Exterminator. So then Scott dressed up like a giant bumblebee. And he, like, tried to spray him and stuff. So Killing bumblebees? Well, Why couldn't he have been a roach? Because I found the bumblebee costume. And oh. it was really rewarding to see him walking around like a giant bumblebee. It was funny. Okay. Um, it's like then, a it's like a it's like a subversively anti environmentalist message. I think probably okay. You're reading way too much into it. You're killing me. <laughs> I'm just I'm I'm working on multiple levels right now. This is what happens when extreme fatigue sets in. And then my favorite though was was the year that we had Timmy, and Robbie went as a World War II um, officer. Scott yes. went as a World War II private, and I couldn't figure out what to dress Timmy as because he was only like just, well, no, he was like a little over one. Um, so we dressed him like a, the American Eagle, bald eagle. Oh, very nice. So we kept with that theme. That's good. So then we were, one year he was a gingerbread man, and I made Scott walk around the neighborhood with, like I made a costume of a cookie sheet. <laughs> Wait, so he, he was, was a cookie sheet? He, he was a cookie sheet, and, like, the gingerbread man, like, ran off the cookie sheet, and I had other gingerbread men glued on it. Wow. So, going back to your original statement, no, my, my, they're not allowed to change their mind. Once mom starts working on these costumes, there's a lot of moving pieces and a lot of people to, to costume, so he didn't have a choice. Yeah, no, it's definitely no good if if you've got a guy dressed as a cookie sheet and everything else and everyone's all involved and all of a sudden one of the kids says, nope, I just want to be the Flash. Exactly. Doesn't work. No, no. Okay. So do not have that issue. But no, so in my house tonight is the night where I'm trying to hide the peanut butter cups from myself <laughs> because I need them to give out tomorrow and it's not How's that working. Going? <laughs> well, because I keep remembering where I put them, so it's not going well. This is like this is just like when you logged on and you said I think I'm what just so our listeners know when Peggy logged in before we started recording she said I think I just called myself. So it's like you're trying to hide candy from yourself. You're trying to or you're accidentally thinking you're calling yourself. There's a lot of looping going on here. Yes, that is my night. <laughs> Would you like to talk about a topic? 
I would love to talk, other than our Halloween costumes and my brain not kind of firing correctly today, why don't we talk about Disability Rights History Month? Ooh, groovy. Yes. Have you been celebrating? Because, like, assuming that we have no technical issues with this podcast, which you know, Dave, is kind of a crapshoot at this point. Yes. Tomorrow is actually the very last day of Disability Rights History Month. It is celebrated during the month of October. Better late than never. And yes, I'm celebrating. Do you know how I'm celebrating? With a podcast? No, no, no. I have a costume. It involves wearing a prosthesis. Oh, okay. What's that? <laughs> no, that was it. <laughs> oh, you see, that? then we could go to the topic that I originally wanted to do. Yeah, we could have. Next I know. year. Next year, stay tuned, October 2019. We're going to cover great, it. We're going to have a great topic mid-October <laughs> next year. All right. So, yes, October is Disability Rights History Month. Um, it's It's been really, really pushed out this year through social media, but that's really been the only place that I've seen it. I'm hoping – I'm I'm hoping that the movement gathers some momentum and in a few years we'll be seeing the little PSAs like we do for for some of the other um, acknowledgement months. It would be nice. It would. So if that happens, then we will show that we were at the start of this trend. So that's what we're hoping. Um, the The disability rights history, though, as we were kind of preparing for this podcast and as I was learning different factoids throughout the month, really does have um, kind of a, a I don't know. It, it's I don't think it's a really long history, Dave. It's it's not a history like the history of you know the development of modern technology. Right. I, I think if you look at, at everything that has happened to the, the disability community as a whole within the past hundred years compared to where it was a hundred years before that, I mean, it's just been monumental changes. So we'll go through those very quickly because it has a very length, like a involved history, not necessarily lengthy in time though. Yeah, I think it's pretty compressed, and that's that's probably that's a, the word I needed. Yeah, it's well, it, and probably it has to do. I haven't spent a lot of time thinking about it now that you've raised it, though. It's a really interesting topic, and I suspect it's because a in a industrial world, having a disability was basically you know it it was it was something that was actually a true burden. Um, you know, whereas on the family, on on the society as a whole, um, if you had someone who wasn't able to actually help produce something that everyone needed to live. So you get into sort of a- Or take uh, care of themselves. Yeah. So you get into, it's not until you get into sort of a, uh, an industrial world, uh, or let's say a modern industrial world where, uh, especially with the rise of, the rise of certain technologies and, and- um, and medical interventions that you you're in a position where uh, these people can a advocate for themselves and b um, be placed into positions where they are able to contribute in the way they probably could have always contributed, um, but they weren't allowed to because culturally it just wasn't permitted. Very well said. So in this podcast, we're going to go over quick overview of the whole movement 
And at the end, if you're if you're looking at the show notes, you'll find a link to a 20 year old kiosk with relevant information, which totally sounds like an oxymoron. But apparently you were very amused by the site. It was really cool because Peggy sent me sent me some information connected to this topic. And when I clicked on the link, um, it connects to um, a website for the National Museum of American History. And it has this, the link goes directly to a page about, um, about a kiosk that existed in that museum in the year 2000, from 2000 to 2001. And it has like the instructions for the kiosk from then, including things like, please make sure if you're going to try to use this remotely, um, that you use either Microsoft Internet Explorer. I like the fact that they had to say Microsoft Internet mm-hmm. Explorer because no one knew what it was, or Netscape 4.0. <laughs> um, and they they made a big deal out of the fact that you had to have the right type of ability to access a video file. Um, so it clearly was a different era. But the information is still largely relevant. Well, history is history, right? I like that. History is history. There you go. Maybe I'll. Maybe that's what I'll name the podcast when I put it up. <laughs> go ahead. So let's get started. Uh, the disability rights, you know, it really has its roots back in the 1940s and 1950s when parents started really fighting for an education and services for their kids. Prior to that time, if your child had a disability, they simply, depending on what the disability was, but they simply were not allowed in the public school. They were considered uneducable and the school did not feel like they had to do it. And then PL 94142 came along that provided the free and appropriate public education, which included special education. And that's really, you know, all of a sudden the schools were faced with these students who were coming in um, that had special needs and they were no longer allowed to turn them away. Um, And then as that happens, at the same time, there were a lot of medical advances in the 1950s. Um, People were simply surviving more serious illnesses and injuries that before would have been most certain death. Um, More babies were starting to to survive prematurely in the later years, which also led to to more disabilities as well. So these, these children and these people who previously would have no longer been around were surviving and it was like, okay, you're surviving with a disability. What does that mean? All of a sudden society was forced to figure out a role for this growing number of, of people. Um, and it definitely, the whole disability rights movement, Dave was definitely impacted by the African-American civil rights movement as well. Um, as, as some of those more marginalized groups in history started speaking out and demanding rights, the disability rights um, were starting to come together and was starting to join the greater movement of inclusivity. Yeah, and, and I think importantly also, um, you know, the some of the core elements of the civil rights movement, um, acts of civil, civil disobedience is an example, um, were things that were easily copied and, and, and adopted by the, the disability rights movement. So, you know, as you saw groups that, as you said, had been marginalized historically, 
employing very effective tactics um, that were highly publicized and people became aware of, uh, it, it allowed for it allowed for the disability community to start employing those tactics in a real strategic way. Um, and prior to that, you know, no one was really doing it. So it was sort of like all of a sudden there was a playbook on how you could be effective. And, um, and our, our forefathers in, in disability rights were, were fighting that fight. I I think another really important aspect of this, Peggy, is just the role that technology has played. And I, I think there are two areas in which technology specifically affects, um, has affected the disability community generally and the amputee community specifically. Um, and I'll take the first and you should take the second. But um, with respect to just the disability community as a whole, um, you know, in the 1970s, you started to have centers for independent living, uh, which brought people together for the first time. Um, and then in the 1990s, you have the rise of the internet, which is really a game changer because now you've got the ability to form communities without physically being in the same place, but have real-time communication. Um, and so, you know, you fast forward that, if you just sort of put that on steroids and go to 2015, and look at the not a luxury campaign, which you really kickstarted, Peggy. Um, and then we had the the We the People petition, um, where we got a hundred thousand signatures uh, opposing the the local coverage determination that Medicare had proposed. You can see just how this stuff kind of exponentially increased the power of the disability community, um, the ability to make their voices heard, and to to connect to or connect in a public way um, to these issues uh, in a way that could influence politicians, which was really, really cool. Do you want to talk specifically about the impact of technology and mobility? I do. Um, So before the mid 1990s, prosthetic feet were typically like just basically wooden foam. Um, You know, even I became an amputee in when uh, 2003, and the advances that I have experienced since that time have just been astounding. So going back even more, um, the use of carbon as as the a component for foot technology and and component technology was a huge advancement in its time, and it provided people the ability to to engage in everyday and extraordinary activities like was no longer like was not possible before. Um, in the late 1990s, we saw the rise of the microprocessor controlled joints and the myoelectric arms and hands. And that was another pivotal moment in technology for the limb loss, limb difference community, because all of a sudden you had these smart devices coupled with the, the dynamic, uh, dynamic feet from the carbon fiber and People were walking better, walking longer distances, walking without pain, running, jumping, which, you know, pre-19, uh, pre-1990s was really unheard of for, yep. for, for most amputees. Hold on. Oh, shoot. <laughs> We've <laughs> so got I'm some sorry. background noise at the Chenoweth home. They just came back from Olive Garden. I apologize. <laughs> That's awesome. How was the Olive Garden? Did they enjoy it? I they always enjoy. It. They have the I won the pasta pass for him, so he gets unlimited Olive Garden for like six weeks. What is a pasta pass? Pass? Oh, it's like a little debit card 
but he gets free Olive Garden for like six weeks. So he can go there once a day for six weeks and get free food. And is that happening? It is pretty close to happening, yeah. <laughs> you definitely want to max it out. I like that. I like well, that. they have a system because what he gets is unlimited. So then he always gets a refill. But then he packs up the refill and brings it home so that, that Timmy or I can you know, eat his scraps for dinner. Nice. Yes. Well played. That's that's how we do it in this house. All right. Well, let's segue seamlessly back from the Olive Garden to disability rights. Sorry about that. No, it's well, cool. Well, actually, I think I think that I can make this transition for us. Yes. Okay. Because Go. one of the key advocacy wins within the disability rights movement was successfully lobbying for curb cuts and ramps. And for buses with wheelchair ramps and uh, just greater mobility options and more accommodations, which previous to this movement, you know, people with disabilities may not have been able to get into Olive Garden. Uh, Yes. Thank you for making the connection. Because I was going to say, you know, if we want to be very explicit, what's outside every Olive Garden? Curb cuts. What's outside every Olive Garden? Ramps. So, of course... There's a direct connection between disability rights movement and the ability for Peggy to to use the pasta pass effectively in 2018. Exactly, exactly. Thanks to the people who came before me, we can be gluttonous on free pasta for six weeks. Yes. Uh, Another huge win, Dave, was the Americans for Disabilities Act, which um, has really become common terminology and you know most people in this country have at least heard of it and and know that it is the law of the land whether or not they know that the intricacies of the law is another thing Um, and if you would like to know more about the americans with disabilities act there is a podcast for that who recorded Um, it we did Uh, it's episode 81 um, it's actually one of our top five most popular podcasts. Interesting. Yes. It was a good one. I like that one. It was a good one. That one required actual research. Yes. Maybe that's the key. Maybe that's why more people <laughs> listen to that one. Yeah. They actually, they're like, oh, they know what they're talking about in this one. <laughs> All right. Do you want to summarize or shall I? Oh, I'll summarize. Okay. It's a quick summary. Disability rights movement has a long and rich history. Um, it's really important to recognize the role that technology has played in affecting that, especially over the last 30 years. And we encourage everyone just for, just for giggles to go see the kiosk, the virtual kiosk on this topic. Uh, this was part of a display at the National Museum of American History back in 2000, 2001. And if you go to our show notes, you can access the link, click on it, and it will transport you back to a time when the only way you could get on the internet was by using an actual phone modem that made funny sounds and that connected, yes, and and it connected to, to web pages in a way that when you clicked on them, they downloaded at the rate of about one web page every 30 seconds. It yes. was delightful. And if somebody called when you were on the phone, you would get booted off. Yes. It was a different era. It was. In some ways, a better era. time. <laughs> I did want to mention, though, Dave, that, that one of the reasons that the disability rights movement has really has moved so quickly is because people are connecting more. And people are connecting more through that technology. 
And if you are listening to this and you're looking to connect with other people within the limb loss, limb difference community and Facebook really isn't your thing because you're tired of all of the political posts and the nastiness that seems to be existing over there recently. Um, we actually have our own private network through Mighty Network. Um, and you can request to join through www.ampedlife.com for communication. Please do. We welcome people to the community. And we actually, we do have an advocacy page on there. So if you want to, to become more involved with some advocacy issues or just learn kind of what's new and what's going on and any changes, um, and just have discussions about it, uh, hop on over there. Excellent. All right, Peggy. I think we covered it again. I think so. Dave, have a wonderful Halloween. You too. And uh, we'll talk in November. Sounds good. Take care. Bye.